Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Sometimes the Lord will actually use the world and the world's ways to accomplish His perfect will in our lives. That's why we know that there's nothing that's too difficult for God. He's created all things. He is over all things. He can use all things. Man schemes and and plans. But it's the Lord who raises up and and brings down individuals. All too often, we try to squeeze God into a box of what we understand, but can't be contained in our doctrine or reason. As Pastor David will remind us in today's message, there's no force of nature or will of man that can prevent God from carrying out His will. You can actively and purposefully reject Him every single day just to find that He's orchestrating things in your life and even using you to carry out His will. The best thing you can do is submit to Him and consciously join His good and perfect will. And here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 19 as he continues his message, Get Out of the Way. Although Paul had been there in Ephesus for two years without any kind of a major conflict, now, just as he's preparing to leave, a great commotion arises. Look what happens down in verse 24 as Luke explains it to us. He says, for a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. He called them together with the workers of similar occupation and said, men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. Moreover, you see and hear that not only at Ephesus, but throughout almost all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people, saying that they are not gods which are made with hands. See what he's saying? These little things that we've made by our hands. Paul's saying, that's not a God. Well, it is to us. It says in verse 27, so not only is this trade of ours in danger of falling into disrepute, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana may be despised and her magnificence destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worship. A little bit of uh, uh, hyperbole there. Everybody worships Diana. It's interesting to note that within the, the context of what we know in the book of Acts, there was only two times that the Gentiles raised up and attacked on their own against 
the gospel. One time was back in Philippi, earlier in Acts. Remember, in Philippi, there was the young girl who was demon-possessed, would go behind the disciples. These men are uh, spokesmen for the great God, and you need to listen for them. And Paul knew that she was demon-possessed, so he turned around, rebuked the demon, cast the demon out of the, the young girl. Turns out the young girl was owned by several businessmen. They were making, again, money out of her fortune-telling. Well, that suddenly caused a huge stir and they came against Paul uh, uh, at that point in time because again he hit them in the finances well right here once again it's hitting them in the finances and again the the the, the these Gentiles are coming up against Paul it's, it's it's interesting when you look at the attacks against the gospel with the Jews as we see in the book of Acts the attack always came because of theology or doctrine for the Gentiles, though, the attacks came because of finances and possessions. So just bear that in mind next time you make a, a joke about Jews and finances, okay? The Jews, at this point in time, they're worried about theology and doctrine. It's the Gentiles that are worried about the money issue. But anyway, back to the point at hand. I think it's pretty awesome that the Spirit of God is moving powerfully, so powerfully within this place that it's actually affecting the economy. That's powerful message, again, of the power of the gospel within that place. It's a change that was happening within that community that couldn't be denied. Demetrius, as a silversmith, uh, he had been impacted by a loss of, of his own revenue uh, because people were turning from these idols and started worshiping the one true God. And as a matter of fact, Demetrius states pretty much the, the absolute obvious. He says that throughout almost all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people saying that they are not gods which are made with hands. Well, duh. Of course they're not gods. You made them with your own hands. As a matter of fact, Isaiah speaks about the stupidity of that when Isaiah says in Isaiah 46, speaking of these that make these little idols, he says that they lavish gold out of the bag and, and weigh silver on the scales. They hire a goldsmith and he makes it a god. And they prostrate themselves. Yes, they worship. And they bear it on their shoulder. They carry it. They set it in its place and it stands. And from its place, it shall not move. Why? Well, it has no power to move on its own. And Isaiah says that though one cries out to it, yet it cannot answer nor save him out of his trouble. Why? because it was made by the hands of man. Rather than realizing, no, man was made out of the word of God. God spoke and all of creation came about. How does man then form a God with his own hands? That becomes a very powerless God, a very impotent God that's not, not, not able to do anything, even to the point they have to carry it around and set it. Here, we're going to set you over here. Oh, here, we're going to set you. It has absolutely no power within itself. Demetrius then uses, again, another exaggeration when he makes the statement that Diana was the one whom all of Asia and the world worship. No, I mean, she, she was a major god of the Greco-Roman Empire. None of the Jews worshiped Diana, and definitely none 
none of the Christians worshipped Diana. Not everyone worshipped her. And the problem is, is fewer people were worshipping her, and that's why they were losing money. But as soon as Demetrius makes this statement, again, out bold where all the people are hearing, the crowd went wild. Look what's going on in verse 28. Now when they, the the crowd of people that were around, when they heard this, they were full of wrath and they cried out saying, great is Diana of the Ephesians. So the whole city was filled with confusion. They rushed into the theater with one accord, having seized Gaius and Aristarchus. These were Macedonians. Uh, They were Paul's travel companions. And when Paul wanted to go into the people, the disciples would not allow him. And then some of the officials of Asia, who were his friends, sent to him pleading that he would not venture into the theater. So let me see if I've got this straight. Uh, Diana of the Ephesians was so great and so powerful that the whole community had to come and rise up at her defense, even to the point of rioting. That doesn't sound like a very powerful God. For whatever reason, this crowd, this this riot, they couldn't find Paul at that precise time. And so they did find Gaius and Aristarchus, uh, again, some guys from Macedonia that were with Paul, travel companions with him. And so they grabbed them and they drug them into the theater. So you've got this riot of all the people within the community of Ephesus taking these two Christian brothers into the theater. That theater at that point in time in the first century, they say that the theater there in Ephesus could hold upwards to 25 thousand people. Now that's, 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 that's got to be uh, an intense situation for Gaius and Aristarchus. It's interesting then at this point in time, once Paul finds out what's going on, he wants to rush right into it, uh, you know, to go and help his friends out. But again, other disciples pull him back and say, no, don't go there. And it's also interesting how Luke says that some of the officials of Asia who were his friends, who were friends with Paul. They sent to him pleading that he would not enter into the theater. They knew that his life was at risk at that point in time. Luke calls them officials of Asia. Their actual title was Asiarchs. They were called rulers of Asia. It was pretty much a community position, and they were scattered all over the Roman Empire. As Rome came and brought about what's called the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, they would put in place these officials in each community. The purpose and the task of those officials was to keep the peace, to keep the order. And so they would take care of any kind of disruptions that would come about, any kind of arguments, any kind of riots. They would be the ones to squelch it. And we have these guys who most likely are not believers because Luke doesn't say that they're believers. So don't just throw in that they were. What Luke does tell us is they were friends of Paul. Gosh, do you think that Paul could have friends that were non-believers? Shake your head like this. Absolutely he did. I believe because of Paul's interaction within the community. I believe just because Paul was Paul. There were some that would receive his message, some that rejected his message. 
But there were others, I believe, that Paul just interacted with. And these here in this high position, again, as the, 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 the rulers or in charge of the city there, again, those that Paul could, uh, again, uh, speak to, non-believing friends. And some of those friends apparently in high places. And that, in essence, uh, they, 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 they come to the defense of Paul and his companions. Look in verse 32. Again, some therefore cried one thing. This is the crowd. This is the riot. Some cried one thing, some another, for the assembly was confused. And catch this. Most of them did not know why they had come together. Isn't, isn't that like what most riots are, you know? Man, everybody gets stirred up and all the emotions are going pretty soon. Why are we here? I don't know. But let's make some noise, Okay. They drew Alexander out of the multitude. Now, they had Gaius and Aristarchus already. Now they grab Alexander, and Alexander turns out he's a Jew. The, the Jews put him forward to try and calm things down. Alexander motioned with his hands. He wanted to make his defense to the people. But when they found out that he was a Jew, all with one voice, this crowd again, cried out for about two hours. Great is Diana of the Ephesians for two hours, two hours, just this mayhem that's going on as they're crying out, defending this powerless God. The crowd was ramped up, all the emotional excitement. Most of them didn't even know why they were there. And again, uh, the Jews, again, put forth Alexander out of the hopes maybe of calming down the crowd. Soon as the pagan worshipers, these Gentiles found out that he was a Jew, they went totally ballistic. And again, great as Diana of the Ephesians, two hours could not be a fun place to be at. I don't care who you are. Absolute chaos. Now in verse 35, the city clerk, who I believe is one of those officials of the Asians there, uh, again, one of the Asiarchs, verse 35, when the city clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, men of Ephesus, what man is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is temple guardian of the great goddess Diana and of the image which fell down from Zeus? I believe that, the, again, the clerk was most likely one of these officials of Asia, very possibly even a friend of the apostle Paul. Some say that his position, he was the, in essence, the, the executive officer of the city, the, uh, uh, the CEO of, of the city. Uh, he comes in, he has some authority because as he begins speaking, everybody quiets down. He comes in, he gets a handle on the whole situation. Now the people are listening. He speaks about not only the temple of Diana, but that image of Zeus, which fell from heaven. We have no idea really what that is. The speculation is probably a piece of a meteorite. Uh, historically, we, we read of those all throughout that area that it must be some kind of a god. It fell down out of heaven. It's some kind of a god, some kind of a thing that they also would worship. They would have kept it someplace, a prominent place within the temple. Well, the, the clerk of the city, he continues on, verse 36. He says, therefore, since these things, and again, the fact of Ephesus being the temple guardian of the goddess Diana and also the image that fell down from heaven for Zeus uh, cannot be denied. Since these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do no nothing rashly. 
For you have brought these men here who are neither robbers of temples nor blasphemers of your goddess. Do you notice he said your goddess? So I'm wondering what the connection is with Paul and this city clerk here at this point in time. He goes on to say, therefore, if Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a case against anyone, the courts are open and there are pro-counsels. In other words, if you've got an issue, there, there's, there's order that you can do. Bring it to the courts. Let them bring charges against one another. Verse 39, but if you have any other inquiry to make, it shall be determined in a lawful assembly. For we are in danger of being called into question for today's uproar. There being no reason which we may give to account for this disorderly gathering. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. In other words, guys, okay, it's over. Go back to your homes. Let me share one more verse in chapter 20. After the uproar had ceased, Paul called the disciples to himself, embraced them, and departed to go to Macedonia. It's interesting, isn't it? That sometimes the Lord will actually use the world and the world's ways to accomplish his perfect will in our lives. That's why we know that there's nothing that's too difficult for God. He's created all things. He is over all things. He can use all things. Man schemes and, and plans, but it's the Lord who raises up and, and brings down individuals. The enemy screams and, and he shouts, but it's the Lord God who is truly our strong defense. And when we rest in him, and Lord, it, we, we, we know he's in charge. And that peace then can come into our lives. There's nothing in our life or in the life that is around us. There's nothing in this world that is going to take our God by surprise. There's no other force in all of creation that can outwit him, outmaneuver him, outpower him, or change, even change, the plans and the purposes of God. That Eastern mysticism thing of the, the yin and the yang, I think I shared this earlier uh, in another message, we, you know, has, has almost taken the world. Oh, it's the, the power of light over the power of dark. No, the, the, the only reason darkness is there is because the light hasn't overwhelmed it. And as soon as that light overwhelms it, the darkness has to flee. Darkness is not stronger than light. God is the light. God is the power. He is the might. There is no this battle of light and dark. Uh, I don't care what Star Wars uh, has to say. Uh, <laughs> fact is, it's, it's God all the way. Okay? And did you notice here, Paul didn't have to say a thing. He didn't have to say a thing. But what he did have to do is get out of the way. Can you imagine if Paul had said, no, I need to go and save my friends. Completely opposite of what the Lord would have him do. The Lord worked through secular ways to bring about his purpose and his will. Guys, there are so many times when it's actually our, our silence that allows God to move in the miraculous. Now hear what I'm saying here. I'm not saying we never speak and we never talk, but there are times that we just need to wait on the Lord. Be still and wait on the Lord. 
Do you have thoughts and plans and ideas of what you feel God is moving and leading in your life? Proverbs 3, very familiar verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart with, and don't lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Is it okay to make plans? Absolutely. But they better be surrendered to the Lord God. They better be ready to be changed and adjusted as God would direct. Are you troubled or are you concerned about things that are around you, things that you cannot control, things that you can't fix on your own? The Lord God says in his word in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. If there's nothing you can do about it, then wait on God. Trust him in it. And be still at that point in time. Are there attacks that are coming your way? And you know that you're absolutely powerless to stand against them. You know this is coming. There's just nothing you can do. Isaiah gives us encouragement. As he takes the word of the Lord. Isaiah writes, but now thus says the Lord. Here's where you can say God has said, okay? Thus says the Lord, the Lord who created you. And just throw your name right in there. Thus says the Lord who created you. And he who formed you. He says, fear not, for I've redeemed you. I've called you by your name and you are mine. And when you pass through the waters, and guys, I love this because he doesn't say, if you pass through the waters. He's very flat out there. When you pass through the waters, we're all going to pass through them. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, Again, oh Lord, won't you keep me from the fire? No, there's sometimes he's going to let you walk right into that fire. Well, God wouldn't do that to me, would he? Well, ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay? There are times when we'll go through the fire. He says, but you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Why? Because, beloved, if you know Christ, you've already been redeemed. There's nothing this world can do to you. God has called you by name. He has that sweet relationship of a father to his child in your life. He knows what you're going through. He knows your frame. He says, you are mine. And what's the strength that he stands on? What's the authority that he has? Oh, Isaiah tells us here, as God declares, for I am the Lord your God the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Guys, that's where we stand. The best laid plans of mice and men, all gone awry or astray, happens in every one of our lives. Do we fight against it? Or do we just continually submit and commit our lives to the Lord? Lord, this isn't what I thought was going to happen. This isn't the direction I thought it was going to be. But Lord, I trust you because all that I am is yours. And you've called me by name. You are my savior. I can trust in you. 
Thanks for joining Pastor David today as we study the book of Acts on the open word. Though our program has come to an end today, your time in God's word can continue. It could be beneficial to go back and study today's passage in Acts on your own and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you about what you read. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor David, you'll find them at theopenword.com. We'd love to meet you too. If you're in the Casa Grande area, please join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. For directions and service times, give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Now let's turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick request for you, our listener. Thanks, Chris. You know, as this ministry continues to grow and reach further into the community and around the nation with the message of the gospel, I know the enemy wants to stop it. I also know that prayer is a big part of holding him back. Would you take time to pray for us every time you tune in to The Open Word? Pray too for our listeners, your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and those who may have yet to place their faith in Jesus. This last category especially needs prayer. It could be that the next message you hear may be the first time they're learning about the hope that's only found in Jesus. Please pray that their hearts would be open and that they'd make a decision to follow Jesus forever. Hey, thanks for praying, and thank you for being a loyal listener to The Open Word.